How you guys doing this morning? Awesome. Hey, my name's TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us this morning, and, and we're starting a brand new series today called Uncovered, and we're taking a look at love and sex and dating and relationships, because we know that everybody has a relationship. Everybody in here that has a relationship, raise your hand. A relationship. Like you have a friendship. Okay, it's good. If you don't have a friendship, here's the deal. We're having connect groups, sign-ups right after service, and so go get yourself a friend after service. Somebody will say hi to you, and you'll become friends. It'll be awesome. Anyways, um, this series is, is just a lot of fun for us. We love to talk about relationships. And so throughout the series, we're going to be answering questions. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things. But with that, um, if you have questions or you want to ask us something, uh, if you would text your question into this number or email us, uh, we're going to do some Q&A one week. Week, and we just want to answer everybody's questions. And so uh, we've done this before. If you weren't here last year, it was crazy. Uh, we never saw the questions. They just started popping up. And Shayla and I, we just came up and we just answered questions. And it was fun for us. Hopefully it was fun for you. Um, and, and so I look forward to being able to be a part of that again. And so today we're going to dive in and we're going to uncover what I think is probably one of the most critical aspects of relationships. And we're going to look pretty deep into it. And it's all about all of our relationships are fueled off of one thing, and that's the idea of communication. And communication is one of those interesting elements of relationships that is, that is everybody says that they're really, really awesome at. But if you were to look at relationships, you just know that it's not true because when you're dating somebody, everybody in here for the most part has probably dated somebody at some point. This is what I know what happens, especially when it comes to guys with girls. Guys will talk to a girl on the phone for hours upon hours upon hours when they're dating. Isn't it true, ladies? Guys will sit on the phone with you till 3 a.m. listening to you breathe at night, hoping that you're still awake in a conversation. Like, they'll talk forever. Like, we'll express our feelings. We'll express our undying love for you. We'll listen to you complain and not give you solutions. Like everything that your hearts have ever desired happens like in that point in the relationship. But then you get married and like everything changes. She calls up and wants to have a conversation. You're like, what do you want? And uh, well, I just want to talk. Well, I don't have time for that. Click. You know, and that's like, that's the extent of relationships once you get married. And like guys are smiling because they know that that's true. They're married. They're like, yeah, that's what my conversation looks like with my spouse. And so like, where does that go wrong? And, and what happened there? The interesting thing is this week I, I was reading it through some stats on relationships. And everybody knows that 50% of marriages are 56, 58, somewhere in there, are ending in divorce depending on what study you look at. So most marriages are, are ending pretty, pretty much 50% and above. And so I found some other stats that kind of blew my mind. One of them was that 86% of women said that they wish that their husbands would have meaningful conversation with them, which tells me that if 50% of the marriages are failing and 86% want to have meaningful conversation, like 30% are pretty miserable, but the other ones, they're just going and finding another relationship, somebody that will listen to them, somebody that will listen to their feelings and, and hear what's going on. Then I saw this, this other one that said that one in four children have never had a meaningful conversation with their father. Which, which kind of blew my mind, which means that not only we're not having conversations with our spouse, we're not having conversations with our kids. And, and then the one that, that kind of topped it all off um, was the fact that the average couple talks on average for four minutes a day. Four minutes. Four, you spend more than four minutes sorting through TV stations every day. 
But yet the average couple talks less than that. And so I, I, was, I was asking myself, like, where exactly did it go wrong? Like, what happened and where did, where did like, that relationship implode and, and why, why is that? And I, I found this video that kind of explained why relationships are kind of messed up today. And so if you guys take a look at the screen, maybe you guys can relate to this. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And... I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't! Try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go? Come on, you know that that's what every conversation looks like. Ladies and guys, it's like guys want to fix it. Uh, girls just want the guys to listen to them. And so we all go into relationships and we, we, this is what a lot of it looks like. And so how does it get to that point? Like what happens that makes them go so bad and, and what is the problem there? And I think it starts back in the beginning. You know, it's maybe, maybe on the honeymoon, maybe before the honeymoon. Maybe it's like on the way to the wedding day that, that some things happen that, that cause there just to be tension in the relationships and a lack of communication and a lack of, of intimacy to know what is the right thing to do in those situations. And so today, um, no matter where you are, whether you're single, whether you're married, I promise you today, today is not a day to, to check out, but I, this will be really, really beneficial for your relationship. If you don't, if you're not married and you, maybe you're dating somebody or you're just single, like take these principles that we're about to teach and start applying them to your life right now, because we're trying to set you up to win in life rather than get you married and then try to fix your marriage afterwards because you didn't deal with some of these things on the front end. And so what we're going to do is like, where did it go wrong? I, and I think it begins in the beginning of time. We all walked into every relationship that we have with some desires. All of us have some things that we dreamed of, that we wished of, that we that we hoped would happen in our relationships. For some of us, it was is is we had some dreams about um, maybe maybe about like what some roles were that our spouses were going to play in our relationship. We had this dream that like everything in the house would be taken care of by our spouse, and this is what they would do. And so we we had these desires for that to happen. Maybe there were some desires about kids, about like how many kids we're going to have 
have, how long we're going to wait to have kids, whether we're going to dress them in pink or blue or, or what we're going to do. And, and so we had some dreams and we had some desires about these things. We had some desires uh, uh, about uh, like our, our sex life, you know, about what that's going to look like. Um, you know, what, what every day when we get home from work is going to be like. And all the single guys are like, yeah, that's exactly what I desire right now. And, and like, I know what you're thinking, single guy. You're thinking like, I cannot wait to get married because then I get to have sex whenever I want and as much as I want. And, um, and let me just fill you in. Let me clue you in real quick, okay? Um, like, <laughs> sorry, if you have younger kids in here, I just apologize ahead of time because I'm gonna say whatever the heck I feel like, okay? So this is like PG R, okay? <laughs> I was going to say 13, but it's probably beyond that. So here's the deal. Like you think like every day is, is going to be like a porno. And let me tell you what it's going to be like. Okay, you might have sex once a day. And so you're going to have 23 hours, 59 minutes and 30 seconds for the rest of that day. to have a relationship with your spouse. So like, you might wanna get some more desires in there. And so we all have those kind of desires. We have, we have, some, uh, we have some desires about where we're gonna live. Like, oh, like, ooh, man, maybe we're gonna live in some exotic place like Rome, or maybe this is like Rome, Georgia. I don't know. Uh, and, and maybe we're gonna live in a high rise, or we're gonna live in a, a bungalow on the beach, and we have some dreams, and we have some desires of what that's gonna look like. And so, man, we're so excited about that. And then we have some, some you know, some desires about how we're going to spend our time, you know, uh, are we going to spend all of our time together, you know, since we're married, I mean, like 24-7, you and I, hand in hand, or, or are we going to spend some time together, and then we're going to have some time for friends, or maybe we'll just merge friends, and we'll just do everything together, or maybe we'll just never let our friends meet, you know what I'm saying, like, there's just some friends, like, you don't want your spouse to meet, and so, like, you, you, you have dreams about that, and you have desires about that, and then you, you have some ideas of, of, like, how you're going to spend your money, what you're going to do with your money, how you're going to earn it, who's going to, who's going to take care of it. And, and you have all these thoughts and ideas about that. And, and guys, you have some dreams about what your wife will never wear to bed. Um, it's a bad day when the moo-moo comes out at home. <laughs> And wives, you're like, man, I have a dream that he'll just love me for who I am. Like, he just loved me so much, he would want me to be comfortable. And he'll be like, oh, babe, I just want you to be comfortable, you know. And so you have some, you have some dreams and you have some desires <laughs> about what that's going to look like in your relationship. And, and you, you, you bring these things into it and you're like, man, I just, I cannot wait for this to happen. And, and, and the thing about all of these dreams and all of these desires is, is that these are all things that I want. When you start thinking about yours, they're all the things that you want out of your relationship. They're not about the other person. They're about what do I want? What do I need? What do I desire? What do I dream about this relationship? And, and the problem with that is, is that the thing that you're bringing into the relationship right off the bat is, is it's all about you. It's all about, man, this is, this is my life and these are my dreams and these are my desires and, and this is what I'm gonna get in my life. The problem is, is the, the Bible says that in Mark 10, verses six through nine, 
but God made them male and female. Like God made all of us with some dreams and some desires for us. And he says, listen, listen, the dreams for the guy were this, but the dreams for the girl were this. Those don't match up very well. We're kind of different, aren't we? We have some different dreams. We have some different desires. And he says, like, listen, you just got to know that there's some, there's some different desires going into relationships. And he goes on to say, from the very beginning, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And what he's saying is he's saying, listen, both of you are going to walk down the aisle bringing these things, walking with some flower girls, and you're going to both be carrying each one of these on your own. And the goal is, is that, man, hopefully you guys can match these things up, man. Hopefully you guys can each meet each other's desires and have this blissful, amazing romance, and you're not going to run back home to mommy and daddy and complain about your relationship but you're gonna you're gonna work it out between each other and he said since they are no longer two but one let no one split apart what God has joined together and right there there he's Paul is or Mark is writing this and, and it's Jesus saying all this and he's saying like listen like you need to understand that you're both gonna walk into your relationship with these things and you're two separate people trying to become one person with one dream and one desire and one thing and the thing about it is is when you were getting ready for marriage you talked about all this stuff didn't you? Like you went to premarital counseling and you talked about, oh, I want to have three kids. Well, I want to have two. Well, let's have 2.5, you know, and we'll be the average American. And, you know, you talked about uh, like how long you're going to wait to have kids and, and where you're going to live in life and what your careers are going to look like. And you talked about your dreams and you guys were like, oh, it's like wedding bliss. It was like the sound of music and you're just running through the fields. Like it's, it's going to be amazing. So awesome. Oh, you know. And then something starts to happen in the relationship. And I don't really know when it ha I don't know if it happens at the altar or if it happens right after the honeymoon. It's probably after the honeymoon, but we'll talk about that another week. And, um, but what happens is all of a sudden, these desires that we have, they don't stay here. They don't just stay as desires. Pretty soon in our relationships as, as we go, you know what? Like, I desire these things, but you know what? I, I expect some things in our marriage. Like, I expect when I come home from work, you better have the dishes done, food on the table, and be in some lingerie because it's getting busy up in here afterwards. Apparently, a single guy is in the back. <laughs> like, and, and like, I, man, like, how, like, man, my expectation of the time is, is ladies are like, he's going to spend all of his time with me. And, and like, you start, you, like, that was your desire. Now it's like, you know, there is no other friends. It's just me. And, and so all of a sudden, there starts to be the shift that happens of, of these desires, which were healthy, and they were natural, and they were God-given. All of a sudden, they start to shift of, like, all of a sudden, like, that car that you've always dreamed of is now a minivan. And, and uh, you know, it's... <laughs> and there's this major shift that takes place, and these desires, which were so good, all of a sudden start to become expectations. Where, like, I just don't hope those things happen. Like, I expect those things to happen. And if you don't, you better believe there's going to be some trouble in this relationship. There's going to be some tension in our conversations. 
And what happens is, is the problem isn't that we just have one person bringing expectations. Is, is that we have two people that have different expectations on that relationship. And when those things collide, man, all hell breaks loose in that relationship. And when that happens, there's a couple things that, that take place. First thing is, is for a lot of people, when they collide, the, the, the answer to the problem is, is they just run. They leave. They say, you know what? This, this person, they are not meeting my expectation, and so I'm going to go find somebody that will meet my expectation. Like, they're not, they're not able to measure up to what I want, or, or the other person says, you know what? I can't measure up to their expectations, and so I'm going to leave, and I'm going to go find somebody else that will, that will love me for the way that I am and just, just perfectly. And, and so we say, like, I'm just going to take off and go somewhere else. And the problem with that kind of thinking is, is we think we can just pick up our box, and we can just go to the next relationship and everything is going to be great and it's going to be grand. The problem is is the same expectations you brought into your first relationship, you brought into your second relationship. It's why a lot of y'all, your second marriage looks exactly like your first. Or your first boyfriend looks exactly like your second boyfriend. Because a lot of times the problem isn't the other person. It's you. And so maybe you just say, I'm not going to leave. And, and what you do instead is, is you decide, like, I'm going to conquer this other person. Like, I have expectations. They have expectations. I don't care. Mine are going to win. Like, you're going to become how I want you to be. And so what you do is, is you have the bigger personality. You have the better ability to argue and communicate your point. And you say, you are going to look and you're going to act and you're going to conform to the way that I want you to be. And here's the problem with that kind of thinking. And, and this, is a, this is a big deal right here. I want you to get this. It's really, really easy for you to be you. And it's really, really easy for me to be me. I don't ever wake up in the morning and go, you know what, today, TJ, you just need to be you. Like, you just, like, embrace the baldness and sexiness of who you are and just work it, work it all day. Like, I don't ever have to tell myself that. Because I'm, I, it's natural for me to be me. You know what is really hard for me to be? is somebody else. And when somebody comes in and says, like, you're going to do this, and we start conquering them, all of a sudden they start becoming someone that they're not. And you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a ton of tension on the relationship because they can do that for a moment, but it's extremely difficult to be somebody that you're not. In fact, that's not even how God designed us or wired us. He made us unique beings and he wants us, and each one of us has a purpose and we have a plan to our life. And therefore, if we're trying to be something that we're not, we're totally missing out on the very creation who God made us to be. And we're gonna miss out on our God-given potential and the ability to go and provide something different to our spouse that they may never receive in a relationship if everybody is just like them. And so one of the partners in the relationship, they just conquer the other person. What they do is they conform. They conform and they say, well, if I'm gonna make the relationship work, then I'll just do whatever it takes and I'll just be this and I'll just do that and I'll just, I'll just succumb to the pressure of what's happening around me. And they can do that for a period of time. This is what, I, what I've seen traditionally is that you can do that for a period of time, but when you get to your 30s and your 40s, all of a sudden you get to this point where you say, I'm not doing this anymore, and you quit the relationship. 
Because it's way easier to quit because you're, somebody else is making you be somebody that you're not. But unfortunately, what most of us do is we decide to compromise. We decide to compromise in our relationship. And what we do is we say, listen, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. And we start negotiating things like, listen, if you have sex with me tonight, like, I'll do the dishes. Come on, like, my wife is totally manipulating me with that one. I mean, all the time, like, she's like, if, like, if you do the, if, if, if you'll have sex with me, I'll clean the house. I'm like, okay, babe, you know, like, it's just. <laughs> Struggle is real, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but we keep saying, Listen, you, 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 do, 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 and I, I, I will do, do, do. And the problem with a compromised marriage is that it's all about you. It's never about the other person. In fact, you'll know that your, your, your relationship is all about you if you talk about it like this. You'll say, like, I just want my marriage to be strong. I want my marriage to be healthy. And, and if you notice the language in that, it's all about your marriage. It's all about what you want and you desire, and it's never about the person. And see, that, that thought of, like, just I want a healthy marriage, that's like, honestly, that's not even a biblical view because the Bible doesn't tell us to have a healthy marriage. It says to have a healthy relationship with a person. Like my wife does not want me just to have a good marriage. Like she doesn't want me just to be like, I just want to have a good marriage. I just want to, I just want to love my marriage. I just want to have a healthy marriage. No, my wife wants me to have a healthy relationship with Shayla, not a marriage. Because the thing about just having a marriage is I can go get another marriage. I can never go get another Shayla. Single people, I, I hear this all the time from single girls, especially like, I just want to be married. Like, I just want to find that person and just be married. And listen, if you just want to be married, you know what you'll end up being is just married. Because you shouldn't commit to an institution because God only established the institution to show you the commitment to a person. That's why... Jesus never established Christianity. Man established Christianity. Jesus established a relationship with God for us. He said, hey, hey, come be followers of me. He didn't say, come follow some religion. He says, come have a relationship with me. And he's saying the same thing for us. It's like, it's all about the relationship between us and a person, not us and an institution. And the moment that we, that we start to put expectations on a person and the moment we start to do all of these things, what happens in a relationship when we pick up this box and we say, you know what, I, I expect you to do some things and, and I want you to do these things. All of a sudden, love starts to erode, intimacy starts to erode, all of those things start to erode because the relationship isn't based on a covenant anymore of between two people. It's based on a contract of if you do this, then I'll do that. Some of y'all, your light bulb's like, I know exactly what's wrong with my relationship right now. 
Because that's exactly what we do. It's all based on you do this and I'll do that. And if you do that, then I'll do this. And, and I realize while there is no more intimacy, there is no more community, there is no more love, and there's no more devotion in our relationships. Because what you do when you just have a contract relationship is you're just managing these expectations. You're just saying, hey, it, it, I want to make sure it's equal here. I want to make sure that we're doing an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Otherwise, like, we're getting no eyes and no teeth. See, when we were dating, everything was different. Everybody remember the days when you dated? Like, you never thought about what you were going to get from that person. You just wanted to do stuff. Like, you just wanted to bring flowers just to bring flowers to her so you could see the joy on her face. Like, you just surprised him with an amazing date because you wanted to see the joy on his face, not so that what you could get out of it. And somewhere there's this shift that happens where it becomes all about me and my desires and my wants. And Peter talks about the fact that, man, we gotta, we gotta understand what our relationships are supposed to be about. He says in 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2, he says, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husband's so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your life. He's saying, listen, it's not about what they're gonna do because you can't manage, you can't have any expectations of what they're gonna do. You just need to love them unconditionally. Like you just, you just need to live unconditionally for them no matter what if you wanna break through this idea of expectations, if you wanna break through these things. And then he says to guys, like, because it's not just for girls because everything always seems like it's girls, beat up girls. And he says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live your, with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. He's saying, listen, it's not about the contract. It's not about you do this and then I'll do that. It's about, listen, you just do whatever is necessary to make sure that they understand that they're everything to you. It's not about what you're gonna get out of it. It's not about them becoming Christ followers or your, your prayers. It's about you just loving them unconditionally. It's about you managing those, getting rid of these expectations and getting them back to just like, I just want to show love and appreciation and intimacy and I want community and I want this relationship back that we had. And, and as long as, as we're going and we're taking these desires and we're dumping these things into expectations in our lives, then we're going to have some jacked up relationships. And as long as we keep doing that, man, it's gonna continue to de deteriorate everything that we desire out of that relationship. And the more expectations we put on people, we gotta understand what expectations do. Expectations in a relationship always create a debt-debtor relationship in marriage. Expectations in marriage always create a debt-debtor relationship. Let me, let me explain a little bit what that means because this is so, so important. Is, is, is what happens is, is we get to this place where we say, wives, you owe me. And we come over here and we say, husbands, you owe me. And, and it's really easy to get to this place where we have this mentality of like, you owe me. And, and, and we can go back and we can explain why they owe me. And you'll go, well, back on November 15th, 1987, when we said I do, you said this and you said that and you said this and you said this in front of our friends and in front of our family and in a church. 
and therefore you owe me. And the other person goes, well, oh yeah, well, I was there too, and you said this, and you said that, and you said this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this is probably the wife, because they remember all this, and that, and uh, you said it before, our friends and our family and God, game over, because we just played the God card, right? And you owe me. You owe me. Like, you better do this. And all of us could build some strong cases of why they owe you based on what they've said, that text message they sent, that love letter they sent at age 15 that you're still holding on to and manipulating them with. and Like, all of those things. The problem is, is that it's really easy for us to justify that behavior too. Like, am I not justified in expecting my spouse to do this? Am I not justified in expecting my wife to do this? Am I not justified in expecting my husband to do this? The only problem is, is when you have an expectation on them, you are eroding any hope of true love, intimacy, community, grace, mercy, and love in relationship. Absolutely eroded out. Because here's the, here's the deal. In a debt data relationship, when somebody meets the expectation, when someone meets the expectation, you come home and your house is clean and your spouse did it for you, you don't celebrate the fact that they just cleaned your house. Why? Because that's their job to clean the house. And when they do their job, they're at the bare minimum of the relationship. They're just hitting the median line of that's what I expect you to do. Let me explain it like this. Um, I have never gotten a perfume-laced letter with roses from Chase Bank for paying my mortgage. Dear Mr. McCormick, thank you so much for every single month continually sending us your mortgage payment. We know that in these hard economic times, making a commitment and following through is a difficult thing, but we are so appreciative of you helping to build us into the national conglomerate that we are today. We will own the rest of the world by the end of this letter. But... In the meantime, thank you and your wife, Shayla. We know her first name, and uh, we're really appreciative of you paying your bill on time. In fact, we appreciate you so much. We sent you a $250 gift card to go to your favorite restaurant and maybe have a date. Uh, hope you have kids soon. Love, Chase Bank. Like, Chase Bank doesn't ever send me a note thanking me for my payment, do they? Why? Because... That's what I'm expected to do when I buy a house, isn't it? To pay my mortgage on time. You want Chase Bank to give you a call? Don't pay your mortgage. <laughs> you want some love notes from them? Don't pay it for two months. You want some personal contact? Wait three or four months. Like, they'll show up. <laughs> some of y'all... That's the only, like, you feel like that. The only time you get attention is when you do something wrong in your relationship because you're not 
meeting the expectation. And love and intimacy dies when expectations are put on one another. And as long as our thoughts and our emotions and our ideals are here, our relationship as far as love and intimacy and compassion and companionship will always be void. Will always, always be void. Now the thing about these expectations, they always begin as desires. All of these things. These, we talked about this. They, they begin as just dreams of what we had. Healthy dreams. In fact, like these are God-given things. These are, these are not bad. This is not bad. This is a dirty word in my house, okay? Let me just tell you that right now. Cleaning is a bad word in my house. Like, but like in and of itself, like this is not a bad thing. When it's a desire. This is not a bad thing when it's a desire. This might just be a lot of trouble, but. <laughs> like, none of these things are bad things when they're desires. It's just that we got to keep them desires because God, God put those desires within us. He created us with this desire for companionship. He created us with this desire for intimacy. He created us with this desire for, for fellowship. He created us for this desire of a clean home and underwear in the drawer for me. Okay, like he just created us with those things. Like those aren't bad things. But the minute we begin to put these desires on our spouse and we put them on the back of them, man, it just kills. Yeah, it's got some serious power. According to this truck in here. I don't know what to do about that. So <laughs> I couldn't figure out where the battery was. It was driving me nuts at home. So, so how, how, do, how, do, how do we determine where we are in this? How do we determine if we have desires that have shifted to expectations? And, and how do we solve some of that problem? I think it, it boils down to two things that can really reveal that to us. One is, is a lack of expressing gratitude. When we lack expressing gratitude, when we forget to be thankful for the simple things in life. You know, how many of us have a spouse that comes home every night? Like a lot of spouses don't come home every night. When's the last time you thanked them for that? When's the last time you thanked your spouse for picking up the kids and trucking them to soccer practice and football practice and ballet and, and all those other things? When's the last time you thanked your spouse for having a meaningful conversation on date night? When's the last time you thanked your spouse for cleaning up? When's the last time you thanked your spouse for going and working really hard and providing financially? Because what happens is, is we just start to take those things for granted and instead of them just being desires in a relationship, we, they become expectations. And when they're expectations, we're never grateful for what they do. And how we always start to change our heart is we start to shift it to what's important in life. And, and being thankful is something that's all throughout the Bible. In fact, I think one of the reasons that, that David was a man after God's own heart is because he was constantly thankful for all the little things that God was providing for him. That's why he would say in things like Psalms 136, 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his faithful love endures forever. 
Man, think about this in your relationship with God. When's the last time you thank God for waking up this morning? For having enough gas to get here? For us giving you some donuts and coffee? Like, I'm thankful for that. Like, I like donuts and coffee. Like, when's the last time you thanked God for the job that you have or the job that you're about to get if you don't have one? Like, when's the last time we gave thanks? Because a lot of times the same things that we're doing in relationships with people, we're doing in a relationship with God. We're putting all these expectations, like, God, you better do this and you better do that and you better do this. And we forget that he's the giver of everything and he's good all the time. Second thing we can fall into is, is a lack of acts of service. It's a lack of acts of service. And uh, it's this idea that when you see something that needs to be done, you look at it and go, somebody else should do that. And uh, I, I'm constantly, this is one that I struggle with big time. Struggle all the time. In fact, last night, um, Yesterday was a, was a fun day. We did our outreach to Collier City. If you haven't been to Collier City uh, or gone to an outreach, I encourage you to do that. But we were in Collier City. We served out there, Shayla and I, and we were holding signs and giving away hot dogs to, to people. And then we came home and we were relaxing. We were getting ready for, for what we do on Saturday afternoons or evenings based on this time of year, college football. Praise the Lord, college football is back on. And, and uh yeah, one person's happy about that. And so, like, I am a huge Notre Dame fan. So if you're a Michigan fan in here, I'm sorry. It sucks to be you this year. Um, like, y'all are horrible. And so we're getting ready for the Notre Dame game. Go Irish. I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. And uh, and so we're, we're also pretty healthy. And, and this week has not been a very good week. And so Shayla's like, let's have a cheat day today. And I was like, yes, pray. this is the best. Like, I was giving thanks for cheat day. And so she's like, she's like, let's order pizza. And I was like, with pepperoni. And, uh, and listen, when you don't eat white flour and you get to eat a piece of pizza, it's like heaven on earth in your mouth. It's unbelievable. Okay. And so, uh, and so, so she's like, I'll order it and you go get it. And I was like, no, you order it and go get it. And while you're there, pick me up a brownie, you know, <laughs> brownies are so good from this place. And so, uh, and she's like, she looked at me, and you, you know when you get that look, guys, that you're like, oh, crap. And, uh, and so she just gets up, and she grabs her keys kind of in a snarly way, like snatches them up. I wish I could do Shayla, like impersonate her, but I just can't. And so she walks over. She opens up the door, and when she leaves, she kind of slams the door behind her. And you, you know that sound when that door slams, like, oh, crap. Like, I messed up. And then I'm like, oh, man, what did I do? And then I'm like, oh, this is the junk that I'm preaching on. What the heck? And uh, (laughs) hate it when that happens. Um, My wife's angry at me. I just put expectations on her. And, like, I, I wasn't willing to do something to serve her. So I got up and folded some laundry, and <laughs> you know, you try to make up for it, but it, it just never, it just never amounts to much at that point because you already jacked it up too much. And so, like, I just expected her to do that. I didn't take into consideration feelings. Then can take into consideration that it's my responsibility to serve her, to remember that she is not there to be my slave. 
is there to be the love of my life. Reminds me of this verse that's in Ephesians 5.33. It says, However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. This is the Apostle Paul talking. And, and what he's saying is, 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 is he's really talking about this. Serving. And uh, I thought maybe God was here and talking too. So, And the interesting thing is that, that how Paul describes serving is, is not how I would describe serving. He says, husbands, love your wives. And I think to myself, well, like, like, I don't want to love my wife. Loving, like, loving is what women do. Right? Like, women love shoes. They love shopping. They love other stuff. Makeup. <laughs> Jewelry. Diamonds. Okay. Um, so, like, they love. Like, what I do, what guys do is, is we respect. Like, it's easy for me to give respect. It's not really easy for me to love, but if I'm really doing what Jesus did, which is giving the things that I don't want to give so that they can have the best of me that they possibly can, and that's exactly what I need to do. I, I need to give the thing that's the hardest for me to give because it's probably what's most important to me. Same thing is true with wives. Instead of, like, it would be easy for wives just to love their husbands. But husbands don't need love. What they need is they need respect. They need words of encouragement. We need you to tell us how great we are. That's just like the bottom line. Like that's what guys need in life. And I don't understand why that is or why God designed us that way. You might be the one guy that's not that way. Congratulations. But for 99% of us, that's how we are. And so the greatest way I could serve my spouse is by giving them the thing that's most valuable to them and most important to them rather than what's easiest for me. Because it would be way easier for me to give Shayla respect than it would for me to give her love. And it's way easier for her to give me love than it is to give me respect. And so we've got we've to learn how to recognize when we're shifting these things in our life and go, you know what? God, I need to put these down. I need to recognize these things in my life that have shifted from healthy, God-given desires to unhealthy, unrealistic expectations that are eroding the intimacy of my relationship. And here's my kind of my dream for us. I dream that we would have relationships and marriages and dating relationships that that would not allow ourselves to shift our desires to expectations so that the person can only meet the bare minimum of what's required in the relationship. That we would have love and intimacy because we're constantly shifting our expectations back to the desires and serving the other person and appreciating the other person for what they are doing and what they are giving in the relationship. So my question for all of us today and I want us to think about this question as we go into a commitment time here and throughout this week is, is, is this what does your spouse owe you? 
Wives, what does your husband owe you? Husbands, what does your wife owe you? Single people, what does your friend owe you? Because the answer to that question is going to reveal what has shifted from a desire to an expectation. And that thing will save your marriage. Let's pray here. Father God, we just come before you here today. And this is what I know about all of us, God, is that as much as all of us would love to say, like, I don't have any expectations on my spouse. I don't, I don't have any expectations on my friendships. Unfortunately, what start as really good and healthy and normal desires always seem to just naturally drift into expectations. And God, my prayer today is, is that as we search our heart, that we would start to see where our desires have shifted where our heart has turned. And God, as we recognize those things, as we discover those things, that our attitude and our response would change, that, uh, that we would start to be grateful for the things that they are doing, God. And we wouldn't just be grateful for them, but we would turn around and we would serve and we would serve unconditionally because that's the kind of love that you gave to us. It wasn't a love based on conditions. If you do this, then I'll do that. You didn't say like, if you'll accept me, then I'll come and die. You said, no, I'll come and die even if you won't accept me. And God, I pray and I dream and I imagine, God, a church full of people that says, you know what? I'm gonna love not based on what you're gonna do for me, but I'm gonna love just based on the fact that that's what God has called me to do in every relationship, no matter what the other person does. God, I pray today that you would help us discover through your Holy Spirit what you're trying to say to us and that you would move in our hearts here today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.